Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Rowan and the Wasteland, where we discuss a film and honor its place amongst its peers. I am the titular Rowan, and joining me, as always, he is the last guy in the world that you want to mess with. It's Shane Kanto, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not Batman, but I'm wearing one of his shirts. So there you <laughs> and go. that's close enough. <laughs> uh, so, Shane, what movie are we talking about today? We are talking about, which looks like it was indeed Michael Mann's feature film debut of Thief, starring James Caan. It's a heist film with, you know, James Caan and some other interesting people, including Willie Nelson randomly for, but yeah, for whatever so, reason yeah <laughs> so uh, let's talk about it um so i had never seen a michael mann movie before watching this so i i suppose it is appropriate that i'm starting with his feature debut uh, i've never seen heat i've heard heat is, is is very good and that is like the michael mann movie to watch um mm-hmm. But otherwise, uh, yeah, it, it, it does make me want to watch more. I mean, if this is what he's making at the start of his career, I can only imagine the heights that he'll go to later on. Yeah, I've seen, let's see, I watched Manhunter. I saw Last of the Mohicans. I saw Heat, Collateral, and I think that's it. And like, those are all of his, you know, major films. So, like, I've seen all of his major films. I haven't seen, uh, like, my... Oh, and The Insider. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I keep forgetting yeah. that one. Because it's not about, like, bang, 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 shoot him up kind of stuff. Right. It's about a tobacco company, um, tobacco <laughs> industry. But, yeah, Michael Mann has a very distinct, very raw and visceral kind of feel to his films and like probably the one that shows that the most is 100 percent heat because like if they shoot a gun in that movie you feel like your insides are shaking because you're like <laughs> right there right. and this film is very interesting because this film i feel like feels less like a first feature film compared to like manhunter which is why i honestly thought manhunter was his first film but I do find it interesting, like, he came out right out of the gate with a film starring, like, somebody like James Caan, um, really right. being able to get, like, a big-name actor. Like, this guy's in a lot of things in the 70s. Like, he was in The Godfather. And right. this is a big-time film. I don't know what James Caan's career was like in, like, 1981, so I don't know if that had anything to do with it. But this this movie... This is going to sound like a backhanded compliment, but like the thing that stuck with me the longest after watching this movie is Tangerine Dream score. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. That score rocks. And especially in like the climactic final confrontation of this movie, I was just like, holy crap, I'm in this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it, it's definitely very, very sleek, and I think every technical um, element is is sort of contributing to that vibe. Um, very, very, uh, very stylish um, as well. And it's it's interesting having been made in 1981, released in 1981, and I assume made in the year previously. It, it's sort of a bridge between the styles of the 70s and 80s, and how action is presented in in both of those um, decades, because it does have that sort of um, uh, slow burn style of the 70s and at the same time a lot of the like uh, go for it and really commit to it um, 80s stuff uh, w- which I think I mean 
I haven't seen a lot of um, turn of the decade uh, action films that that sort of exemplify it much like much like this does. Well, I think that's an interesting point, Rowan, because the film does have a very 70s feel of like this slow burning like powder keg of a thriller kind of thing. But then when it does kick in the action, you got that like sleek slow-mo, like the music with it feels very 80s. Like, am I watching Lethal Weapon or am (laughs) I like watching something like that at certain points? And it's very intense. And when this film does kick into action, like the whole opening part of it, which I think is like a really cool setup of, like this job and building up things it's very in the moment you get don't get any explanation or anything you're just dropped Mm -hmm. right in it and then especially the third act of this film there's a lot of great moments of just some visceral intense action well shot you know people have their feelings about they like slow-mo or not i feel like some moments in this worked really well with that and just really like hammered home some of the emotion behind it. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it, it, it's so quick too, um, just because it, a, a lot of what happens in it never happens when you, when you would expect. Um, mm-hmm. And it ends very abruptly, but I don't think that's a bad thing uh, in certain movies. I think it would be, um, but this movie chooses to go out with a bang uh, in, in many, many different ways. Um, I think everyone in this movie is is great, especially James Caan. Uh, he yeah. he is he does such great character work that I think in in this instance the story sort of becomes secondary to the character because I just mm-hmm. want to I'm I'm I I feel anchored by the character whenever he's on screen. But the story I feel like around him can never quite live up to it. But I don't think that's the point. I think the point is to um, to see how um, the story is affected by the character and not the other way around, uh, as I think would be the norm. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, the story has a lot of like expected beats that you have in like heist film. And like, this is a crime thriller. You have those elements in it. I don't think there's anything about this plot. That's truly shocking. It's like, you know, some people are bad. You're criminals. People are probably going to stab you in the back at some point. Um, And you have those kinds of dynamics and they work. I do feel like really is Frank and his connections with the other characters that really, like you said, make this film go, whether it's, you know, Barry, Jim Belushi's character, one of his friends, uh, Okla, Willie Nelson's character, who's kind of like that botherish figure to him. And then, Leo, Robert Prosky, who I know him specifically because Mrs. Doubtfire, mm-hmm. like the guy that hires uh, Robin Williams to work at his station. Right. But like, he's a, he's a piece of crap in this yeah. movie. And you have those kinds of dynamics. And one thing I saw was interesting was, I think they even said it on the Rotten Tomatoes synopsis of like, the ending might not work for you. And I'm like, I never once questioned the ending. Like, I felt like it finishes its business. It's done with its business. And then, you know, Frank has what's left in front of him or what's not left in front of him. And it, I felt like the ending worked really, really well for, like, this film. And, you know, they could shamelessly leave it open to, like, some other stories to be told. 
with this. I do think it's interesting, like, Frank as a character, especially in his interactions with women, um, definitely feels very much like a 70s type leading man who uh, is not exactly the nicest guy all the time, especially when he's forcibly dragging women around and telling them what to do and like get in the car and like James Khan plays that really really well and I don't know if that's like a bad thing to say about somebody but they play really he plays really forceful and um volatile very well and like you know that's why he was so great as Sonny and the Godfather is like that's literally his whole shtick is that he could snap at any moment and you're afraid of him. And I feel like Frank has that vibe here, but, and you know, he has some not great moments. Like the one moment when they're talking about, uh, adopting Mm -hmm. in the agency, it's like, well, you're, uh, saying some things that you probably should have kept inside your head. Um, but you know, we're on this journey with Frank. He's not a perfect guy. And you know, that's the thing we're following around criminals, right? So it's kind of like not everybody's going to be a great guy in this story or a great person, but, you know, he's really interesting to follow. And James Conn gives a great performance. Absolutely. Yeah, it's 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 those outdated ideals that this character sort of exemplifies that I think mm-hmm. um, are um, perfect for the story. Uh, he's and I feel like if if this movie had been uh, even made or set a little bit later, um, he he would have been like uh, he would have been the sort of Willie Nelson type character, uh, the the criminal, the sort of older criminal who has um, who is holding on to those uh, to those ideals and that manner of thinking that is just not mm. like that is just getting progressively d- uh, more dated. Uh, as you go along, but I think James Conn is absolutely perfect um, here, and and it's just it, it's just great. Um, yeah. But yeah. Um, so where does uh, where does Thief rank Shane in the uh, in the thirty eight movies that we have watched so far for Rowan in the Wasteland? Let's see. I have this at number twelve. I really like this. I'm also a big fan of Michael Mann. This is right behind The Wicker Man and right above Lady Macbeth for me. You're kidding me. It's also at my number 12, um, which is absolutely wild. Uh, it is We're above back at Van- it again, Rowan. <laughs> exactly. Back on track. It's above uh, Vampire and Below in the Name of the Father uh, for me. But still, uh, in, in all of them are collected way. around the same point for me, too. Exactly. So, there yeah. we go. Crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Uh, but anyway, we got three categories to uh, talk about today. We have uh, heist movies, uh, ensemble casts, and the year 1981 in which Thief was released. Uh, let us start with heist movies, um, which uh, I-, I would say Thief is not a traditional heist movie, uh, but it is. It does have a like a number of smaller heists uh, within it. Yeah, which is which is I think how it how it would fall into this category. Yeah, because like he's a thief, so. Right. Like, he does some jobs. I So I did include, for me, like, bank robberies and stuff like that. And even if, like, like similar to this, they weren't, like, the one leading up to the whole entire movie kind of thing. But um, number five, I do have Baby Driver. Very nice. Love me some Baby Driver. Just, there's something, something so unique and special about that movie with the use of music. Um, number four is Drive, which opens up with an amazing heist sequence and him being a getaway driver. So a lot of getaway drivers on my list so far. 
Now, this is one of two unique ones that I put on here. We got Inception, which is a reverse heist movie where they're trying to put something in a place and in somebody's <laughs> dreams, which I think that kind of stuff's cool when somebody could come up with something creative to like flip a genre on end. My number two is Hell or High Water, which nice. is a series of like bank robberies and heists for a particular purpose. And it's just, I love the four main characters in that movie so much. Um, everybody's giving some fantastic performances in that. And my number one, which is a fantastic time heist, which is Avengers Endgame, because if Scott Lang tells us it's a heist film, then it has to be true, right? <laughs> so, and, you know, just being so invested in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and just Endgame was just such an amazing just payoff for years of storytelling. Yeah. Very nice. Uh, Endgame does not appear on my list, although in retrospect, it probably should. It's one of my favorite movies ever. Um, but instead, I will... Uh, Shane, uh, we do have a decent amount of crossover. Um, number, My number five is Drive. My number four is Baby Driver. Uh, my number three is Dog Day Afternoon, uh, which features a, a, a bank heist, um, which, of course, is not from the perspective of the protagonists, uh, although I guess you could call uh, Al Pacino the, the protagonist uh, in that film. Um, it's him and... Um, uh, John Cazale uh, pull, trying to uh, rob a bank, and uh, it goes pretty, pretty, pretty right, and then pretty wrong uh, for them. Um, number two is Die Hard, uh, which is again a heist, not by the good guys, but by the bad guys, uh, and the protagonist is the one thwarting said heist. And uh, number one is Inception, uh, a reverse heist, as you called it, Shane, uh, and and one that is done in such a very, very, very trippy and w uh, a way that I will admit to still not fully understanding. I'm, I've only seen Inception once, so I think I need to uh, go back to that at some point. Um, in hindsight, realizing like, well, I think that's so cool about Die Hard because it takes you halfway through the movie to realize it's a heist movie because right. they're tricking you into thinking that it's a hostage situation. But really, mm -hmm. they're just bank robbers and really good bank robbers. Sorry, yeah. baby driver, you would have been knocked off my list because Die Hard definitely would have been on there. <laughs> Yeah. Um, next up is uh, ensemble casts. Um, Thief does not have a, I, I don't think, a straightforward ensemble cast, but I just think its characters are so good um, that mm -hmm. I, I, I think that gives us a solid excuse to uh, talk about this category. Uh, and this is, I think, the, the most malleable um, on, the, on, on the podcast that you can twist it, really, however, however you would like. But Shane, your top five ensemble casts. Yeah, that, looking through my, because like, how I usually do these lists, I go through my favorite movies and like, do any of these count? Well, they go on the list first. And like, I got through a lot of my favorite movies because I'm like, well, a lot of these have a lot of big casts and stuff like that. But my number five is LA Confidential with its three prong leads with Russell Crowe and Guy Pierce and Kevin Spacey. And then just so many great actors filling out this noir film set in the 50s. Uh, my number four is Captain America Civil War which, yes, they say it's a Captain America movie, which at its core really is about his story and everyone around him. But, man, that cast, that cast was stacked when that came out. Um, number three, Inglorious Bastards, which does indeed have multiple protagonists going on at the same time. And whether you're uh, like Shoshana or Aldo Rain or everybody else, you even have a whole entire 
a situation in a basement where it's just like a whole bunch of characters that were just introduced and we spend like how how much time with them. So Inglorious Bastards, uh, the Grand Budapest Hotel, which I just feel like at this point, Wes Anderson's trying to just beat himself with right. how many different actors he could put in his own movies. Um, I do like this more than the French Dispatch, which is why I put the Grand Budapest Hotel, even though French Dispatch has more people in it. And then... I had to Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring, because like, of course, the Fellowship is the ensemble for me and everyone is perfect and I love them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Wes Anderson may very well beat himself again with Asteroid City, which is coming out this year. I know. I was looking at the cast. I'm like, holy crap. Yeah. Will the man ever stop? Um, No. Yeah, no, never. Uh, I, I I think we can say that pretty solidly. Uh, my number five is uh, Attack the Block, which apparently has a sequel coming out at some point, but I, I watched this recently. I think everyone mm-hmm. plays off of each other perfectly, um, and everything um, everything works just so well to create a very, very tight and still very tense story. Uh, number four is Avengers Endgame, or really any Avengers movie or Civil War. I think they're all incredible uh i I picked endgame specifically because it spotlights the original avengers and i think Mm -hmm. um they have just like the characters have grown so much since they first came together and and this is like the perfect um coda to their collective story Mm -hmm. uh number three is uh pulp fiction uh you had to get wes anderson on there i had to get tarantino on here you also got tarantino on there of course um but i but 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 pulp fiction is just one one of the earliest, but also I, I think still one of the best uh, collections of, uh, of of casts um, for that man. Uh, number two is a incredibly biased pick. It is Muppets Most Wanted, which I prefer over the over the 2011 Muppets. I think Muppets Most Wanted is absolutely hysterical and um, and amazing, and just has some of the most wild visual gags I have ever seen and some of the more ambitious uh, uh, levels of uh, cameos um, as well. So I will rewatch this movie time and time again and still think it's incredible. And uh, number one is Knives Out because I could not talk about Ensemble Cast without ignoring um, or, or, or sorry, without mentioning uh, this. One of my favorite movies of all time. I've said it time and time again on this show and the cast is just put together perfectly spotlessly. Um, Glass Onion's great, but Knives Out will always be number one. Speaking of Muppets, that 2011 one gave us Man or Muppet. And I cannot help but love that movie for it. Mm-hmm. I cannot believe that was Brett McKenzie from Flight of the Concords that did all that music. And then when I realized that, I'm like, oh my God, it makes so much sense. Yeah. These sure. all sound like Flight of the Concord songs. <laughs> yeah. Um, our final category that we're going to talk about today is 1981. Um, Shane, your top five. My number five, An American Werewolf in London. This is definitely one of my favorite horror comedies out there. And there's some really disturbing visuals in here, but such a clever and interesting way of telling a werewolf story. And also the transformation is something else. Um, my number four is Time Bandits because I'm a huge Terry Gilliam fan. And what a crazy adventure through time this movie is. And some great cameos from like John Cleese and uh, Michael Palin and Sean Connery. Mm-hmm. playing Greek uh, Greek king Agamemnon and still just sounding like Sean Connery because he can. Yeah. Um, number three, Escape from New York. Very timely for my Carpenter series, but 
Snake Plissken man. Such a great character. And this is such a cool idea. New York City is a penal colony. We got to save the president. So, and then number two, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Because, like, it is the blueprint on how to make an adventure film. Mm -hmm. And I don't think any other film is going to take that from it. And it's just such a perfect adventure film. And my number one, because on brand for me, The Road Warrior. Because it had to be, right? Of this course. was my number two favorite movie until I realized Fury Road could happen. <laughs> so there you go. So yeah. Mad Max, Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior. There you go. Very nice. Uh, my number five is Escape from New York. Uh, what more can be said? Uh, just an absolutely astonishing action movie. Uh, very, very um, forward thinking for its time, I think. Uh, number four is a documentary called Vernon, Florida, uh, that has some of the funniest and driest humor I've ever seen, and uh, completely unintentional, too, uh, on the part of the of the subjects. Uh, the people of Vernon, Florida are just like that, uh, and the fact that it, this is edited the way it is and presented the way it is, I think, is just um, hysterical. Uh, number this three is... is Yes. Uh, number three is Thief, for all the reasons we've talked about today. Uh, number two is The Evil Dead. Um, because Sam Raimi just made one of the most influential horror movies of all time with n not very much at all and uh, spawned a franchise that is still going today uh, and will yeah. um, welcome in another um, another. Yeah. And, and will welcome in another um, entry uh, next uh, next month from when this is released. Um, yep. That'll be uh, Evil Dead Rise, which will be very fun. Um, number one is Raiders of the Lost Ark, because how can it not be uh, one of the most influential? You talked about a lot of influential movies uh, on, on, on these lists mm -hmm. today. One of the um, most influential action movies um, of all time and just adventure at its best and at its finest. And, um, you know, Spielberg doesn't miss now, but he didn't miss then either. Uh, and I mean, if we're talking about Temple of Doom, that's something else. Um, but right. Raiders of the Lost Ark is just absolutely stunning and perfect, like near perfect filmmaking, in my opinion, as close to perfect as you can get. Evil Dead was my number six because like that and American Werewolf of London, if it was Evil Dead 2, that definitely would have been higher. Yeah. Um, it's so interesting because Road Warrior and Evil Dead are both two films where the director got more money and then made like more amped up versions of themselves. And it's just right. kind of like. Oh, this could have been even better if they actually had money. <laughs> you have that realization. So, right. but yeah, Evil Dead's great. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, so uh, next week we will be talking about uh, one of the oldest films we've talked about on the show, uh, and that is The Jazz Singer from 1927, the first film uh, to have synchronized sound and a synchronized score um as well so 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 dipping our toe into uh into history once again uh mm. with the, the jazz singer next week uh but shane where can the people find you if they would like to hear more about your movie thoughts they can check out the wasteland reviewer instagram page where i post all the things that i do from the wasteland reviewer youtube channel sif pop and scribe magazine and my podcast the cinematic wasteland so yeah if you follow me on instagram you'll know all the crap that i do because it just gets funneled through there 
Hell yeah. Uh, you can find me at thelenientcritic.com. That's L-E-N-I-E-N-T critic. Uh, you can also find me at Bits of Joel on Twitter if you're interested uh, in my dumb little Twitter thoughts as well. Um, but for now, uh, thank you guys for listening to Rowan and the Wasteland. We'll be back next week, of course, with another episode. Uh, we're getting closer to 40. Uh, we, have, we, have, uh, we have something fun planned for episode number uh, 40 as well. We sure um, do. But until then, uh, for Rowan Wood and Shane Conto, thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. 